it's really, really good to be together tonight, and it, it, it's, um, uh, as, as Andy said, it, it's uh, your first time with us in Arena Mansfield, uh, then uh, you're very welcome. Uh, it's a joy tonight to uh, welcome Stephen and the leading women's Welcome to you both and to your uh, wonderful boys in the in the uh, the Bonnie Kids Church and the little babies, what, two and a half weeks old. <laughs> so uh, they've uh, been very very busy, uh, and uh, but we just pray this will be an amazingly fruitful season for them, and uh, that you'll be blessed and uh, and uh, we're really really all praying for you. It's great to have you with us tonight. Thank you. Um, just reflect the heart as I spoke to them this morning. I said, Well, then we knew with everything that was going on. And they said, No, we're here tonight. And said, so thank you. Um, so um, we're really believing that, uh, as Andy was saying, God's going to take us forward into a new season. This is a pretty great journey of Arena Mansfield. Some of you have been on it with us uh, for most of the time. Other people have joined us. And uh, we're just believing that God's going to do uh, some, some really great things in the future. And uh, we really are full of faith. Uh, for that. So thank you. Thanks uh, again for everyone that's uh, given themselves for this weekend and uh, and uh, I trust that you'll be able to stay awake for the next few minutes if you feel a bit weary after all of that. So tonight we're, we're just starting a, uh, a little series that we're running on both campuses just for uh, the month of September uh, entitled Honour, uh, an important principle and tonight it's just my joy for a few moments just to remind us uh, of a few things that build around this. I'm going to read one verse from the Bible. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. And I'll read the verse and I'll give a little context as to why God was speaking in this particular way. And so that verse says, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, um, I promised the members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, for, uh, for he is far from me. Those that honour me, I will honour. And those that despise me, you will be disdained. There's a little phrase in the middle of that verse that says that those that honour me, I will honour. In the Old Testament, God had a, 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 a people that were, were a, a nation. They were a covenant people. Um, he, had, he had a special relationship with them and the, the, the Old Testament sort of pours out this ongoing relationship between God and the people. And uh, God sort of set some parameters in place. He said, if you'll, if you'll honour the covenant, if you'll be faithful to me, uh, if you'll give yourself to uh, that sense of uh, pleasing me, then you're going to be blessed. But he said, if you, if you turn from me, uh, then there'll be um, some... That situations that will arise out of this. And in Samuel, um, the, the Bible's written to, uh, certainly in the only, verse, only chapters, telling us about God putting his hand upon a little boy and saying to him, about the little baby, and saying to his mother, will you give him to me? Will you consecrate, will you dedicate him to my service? And his mother, Hannah, who thought that at one point she was going to be childless, gladly gave Samuel back to the Lord for his service. And in the following chapter, chapter 3, we read that as Samuel was growing up in the priesthood, he learned to hear the voice of God. 
I read just recently that if we're going to hear God, we maybe need to turn down the volume of the world. There's so many things at times that try and grab our attention. And Samuel heard God and said, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. And God began to speak through him and raised him up to be a prophet to the nation and used him in amazing ways. And the reason for all of that was because it was quite sad what was taking place at this particular time because God had entrusted uh, his purposes to be worked out through, through the priests. The priests were a, a, a group that were separated unto God for spiritual service. And Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the representation of the priesthood at this time. But sadly, their hearts had turned from God. They were doing things that weren't appropriate for the priesthood to do. And God comes and speaks to these people. He comes and speaks right into the heart of the nation. The priesthood sadly become corrupt and have fallen back. And God says that you're not honouring me, but dishonouring me. And there'll be consequences and ramifications because of that. But right there in the middle of what was quite a negative situation, God brings this amazing life principle regarding honour. Those that honour me, I will honour. In our own culture today, often it's marked by dishonour. We have many modern trends of communication. We can moan about them or bemoan them, but the fact is they're not going to go away. But social media today, is, whilst it can be used wonderfully for encouragement, for building up, for sharing good news, for championing people in their, in their callings and giftings <coughs> and advancements of life, sadly, it can often be used in a negative way as well. One of the ways to, that people often use that is not to build up, but to knock down. It's what people call tall poppy syndrome. We want to shock people. Off. We, want to, we want to knock people down, and there are many uh, ways that that is done today, sadly. Often, under a cloak of people not using their, their real names, and you may have even, sadly, been on the end of some of that at times. It is so important for people that want to draw close to Jesus and reflect his life, that in our attitudes, our language, and in our spirit, what comes from us, that we're a people that honour the Lord's. Arena Church in this little season of ministry, as Andy's reminded us tonight, as we move into flesh seasons, not only naturally, but also very importantly, spiritually in the church, an important season in the church. Arena Church wants to freshly affirm that it wants to encourage an honouring culture, both in the church and from the church. And I believe that even this weekend, as people have given themselves sacrificially to being out there, connecting with community, one of the things that we've done is we've sought to honour other people in appropriate ways. In the Old Testament, the definition of the word honour would be to give esteem to, to glorify. It carries a sense of weightiness, to give weight to people that carry influence over lives. In the New Testament, written in a different language, the word honour speaks of to prize, to value, to treat as precious. They're all beautiful things, aren't they? And they ought to be things that are so natural in our journey with the Lord. Chris is going to address one or two things over the next two or three weeks, but tonight I just want to briefly give us five planks or principles 
of honour that are found in the Bible. I won't look through them briefly. I said this carefully. We could actually dig over each one of those uh, week by week. But I just want to give us a little overview tonight and to ask the Spirit of God to come to us again and ensure that as we move forward together in all that God wants to do for us, that we live with the beautiful principle of honour. Number one, we're to honour the Lord. Seems pretty obvious that these guys were missing it. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, they took their eye off the ball. They made it about themselves. They allowed things to invade their heart that weren't pleasing to God. And it's so easy to do that. One of the reasons I love us celebrating breaking the bread on a regular monthly basis is that it brings our focus always back to why we're doing what we're doing. You see, very obvious, but the reason that churches tend to lose their momentum is simply they forget the reason as to why they are the church. The church becomes about, are we going to money to sort of get us through the month? The church becomes about, is it sort of meeting all my needs, etc., etc.? The church forgets that it's about the Lord. It's about honouring the Lord that made the church possible in the first place. And so tonight, as the guys have led us in worship with those beautiful songs, we've been extolling, we've been magnifying, we've been blessing, we've been praising, we've been worshipping, we've been lifting our holy hands. God's spoken to us in different ways. Even in the group as we've been praising, we've been honouring the Lord. That's one of the reasons we have praise and worship. It's not just to start the meeting off, it's to say, Lord, you are central to everything that we do. And here's two or three other ways in which we can honour the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 that we're to honour the Lord with our body. And in that chapter, it talks about the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible's not talking about everybody having a stout figure and signing up for the gym in this season so that we might honour the Lord. You may want to do that. But Thankfully, it's not a qualification for being a believer. But here's the truth. What you can't do is you cannot divorce how you live in the body from your spiritual journey. And the backcloth of error to which a lot of the New Testament books were written was exactly that error that people were drawing into. The error was that all matter is evil, your spirit is one of those, a divorcing of the two. But the Bible clearly tells us that we are to honour the Lord by the way that we live in this physical frame that he's given to us. We understand that one day it will fade away. And that we understand also in that eternal day God will give us a new body fit for the eternal purposes of his kingdom and community. But honouring the Lord in our body is so important. Your body is a believer. If you've not become a believer, it can become one tonight. Is the house for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. And therefore we ought to glorify and honour him by how we live in this body. We're to honour the Lord with our wealth. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth and give him the first fruits of your crop. Now, very often when the word wealth used to be mentioned in the Bible, or speaking speaking, I'd often run to the word wealthy. Well, I'm not rich, I'm not wealthy. Um, but I think more it's the word substance. We've all got something to give back to God. Again, there's no pushback on people being wealthy. God blesses some people amazingly with an ability 
to create great wealth because he can trust them with it to reinvest back to the kingdom. But whatever is our situation tonight, God's saying, with the substance that you've got, make me first. Put me first because it all comes from me in the first place. What preacher says, the greatest deterrent to radical generosity is the illusion that earth is our home. You see, when we forget that we're just stewards of what God's given to us, then it'll all pass away one day anyway, and it's how we steward that fits us for serving God for eternity. We hold on to things a lot more loosely than it's mine. Remember the message on it's mine a few months ago. Because when it's yours, it's very difficult to give it to God. But when everything's God, and he's given us some substance to steward, somehow it just seems to work so much easier. Make God the first fruits, the priority of your substance. And then we're to honor the Lord with our hearts. In Matthew chapter 15, as Jesus often did the Gospels, he spoke to the religious people. And uh, Jesus used to speak to them very strongly, very powerfully. He, he saved some of his, his, uh, his most challenging words for the religious. And he said, they pay lip service to me. He says, they, they seek to say they're honoring me with their lips, but their heart is not for me. And that's what religion always does. In a real church, we are not into religion. People coming to this church at times say, well, it doesn't seem to be like a church. Well, if you've got the church in mind of stained glass windows, a chap at the front with, you know, a bib on and, and a, a, dog, a dog collar and, and uh, icons, then it doesn't look much like a church. But the reality is this is a place of worship. It is a local church. And sometimes it tries to knock down those barriers of religion. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with worshiping great cathedrals and all of those things, but sometimes it knocks those barriers of religion down. We're not into religion. We're into relationship. We're into a living relationship with God. Religion always pays lip service. It never engages the heart. It's always more taken up with the exterior than the interior. How I look rather than how I'm doing. And Jesus says, I want people that honor me with their hearts because out of the heart come the issues of life. Let me move on briefly because the second thing is that we're to honor our father and mother. It may be like me tonight that you don't have an earthly father or mother anymore because they they passed on. But it's an interesting principle that is mentioned both in the Old and New Testament, a specific command. There seems to be no cut-off date in relation to age. Those of you who got married, whenever you got married, you know that you left the home that you grew up in and you cleaved to your bride or bridegroom. And that's very, very important. There's a dynamic change when we get married. Leaving and cleaving. You're not cleaving back to your parents. You're cleaving back to the one you got married to. And parents, you need to let them go. There's a leaving. There's a leaving involved in that. You need to honour the principle of what's taking place there. But the reality is we can still honour our parents. Of course, honouring our parents does not mean that we 
have to honour things that are contrary to the word of God. People that have found themselves in abusive relationships do not have to put up with it. They need to seek help and prayer. Can I just say to parents tonight that are seeking to raise children well, be careful of peer influencers, be it by friends, film, or other aspects of media that deliberately sow into our kids attitudes of dishonour and dismissiveness towards their parents or other parents. Because what we sow is what we reap. But if we'll raise our children to be honouring in their attitudes, it'll produce a great harvest that will be a blessing unto others. We could spend a long time there, and please hear me, I'm not seeking to be tried. Because I realise that when I throw a principle out like this, it can touch on sensitivities in people's hearts. But the Spirit of God, friends, will help us plot a course through, even through sometimes what have been great difficulties, so that by the Spirit of God we may be free in our honour of fathers and mothers. Thirdly, which one or one another? Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Honour one another above yourselves. In the Bible, we're not called to isolation. We're called to a gathered, body life, community. There are many people at times that have an issue with this. Interestingly, people often that go cold in heart withdraw from community. And then we get people that tend to quote things regarding their journey that the Bible's not saying. People say, well, God's told me to take a time out, take time off. There's nowhere in the scriptures. In fact, he says the opposite. He says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, as some are doing, and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the descriptions of Christians in the Bible is sheep, and sheep are made to flock together. There is something that God does in Arena Church on a Sunday night when we come together that he doesn't do anywhere else in your week. He's with you every moment, every day. He hears your prayers, your worship, your reaching out to him. But when we come together, something happens that God honours as people honour him. And as the more you read the New Testament, the more you realise that you cannot circumnavigate around this. There are over 50 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. We're going to do that this week. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Care for one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. And here we've got another one. Honour one another above yourselves. In an age when communities often diminish, and commentators tell us that one in three people do not talk to their neighbour or even know their name. A rhetorical question that I'm asking Franz up, but do you name the name of your neighbour? Well, our neighbours, we've lived next door to them for 27 years, so I hope we're you know. And, uh, and uh, so Paul and Sheila are our neighbours. Michael's the other side, Nick and Sean are just up the road, Darren and George are down. We know our neighbours, we say hello to them, but many people... Do not do that, particularly when you get further south and into the home counties and people dashing in and commuting in and all sorts. And of course, some people get up in the morning, get dressed, have a shower, and then they're looking at this thing, it's got a phone, and they're sort of walking through. And that's it for the day. With earplugs in, because they brought everybody else out. But in a day when community has become less, we need to ensure, friends, that God is helping us 
continue to build community within the life of the church. Many relationships now in a cyber world that draw little commitments, or as I've already alluded to, little accountability. But God wants us to face each other. I was in a wonderful meeting with, a, with a, a, an African pastor this week from another denomination. We sent each other emails, we'd made a connection, we'd arranged an appointment, and we both said to each other, you can have all the emails in the world, there was nothing like us sitting across a room, face to face, engaging the situation. Something happened in that that wouldn't happen in any other communication. With the body of Christ, there must be intentional about allowing God to continually knit us together. The Bible talks in Ephesians chapter 4 about the joints that are knit together. And I believe that the principle of honour oils the joints of the body as we knit together to implement the purposes of God. Prize, value, esteem the community of believers both by your language and by your behavior. Number four, we're to honor the king, 1 Peter 2, 17. Now, I know we've not got a king, we've got a queen. We've had a queen for a long time. In some translations, interestingly, it says they honor the emperor, which was absolutely incredible because one or two people were written to what we call a dysphoria, a scattered people, a persecuted people. All of that was because of the harsh rule of the emperor. And yet in all of that, the writings of the scripture bring a principle of honour. What's God speaking about here? Well, it's not asking you to be a royalist, to be a Christian. You may have another persuasion. But the wider application is the honour of civic leaders and authorities. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2, we're to pray for those that have authority over us. And it gives us a list of people to pray for. We're going to do that this week. And understand at times that we can very easily run to negativity regarding things that impact our life. The bins haven't been collected. If you've worked out which one to put out this week. I, 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 I lie not. You know, I know somebody that has seven bins. Seven. You know, and uh, won't be tired if you get it, get it wrong. The pothole in the root road that sort of sent my car to the garage. All politicians are sort of corrupt and they're only in it for the money. And so it goes on. So easy for us to be dishonored. But we've made, a, we've made a commitment around Arena Church. The different, the different constituencies that are represented by Arena Church, long-standing MP Mansfields, Ashfields, uh, with Gloria De Piero, uh, Maggie Thrupper, Eric Wash, Nigel Evans at Amber Valley. We've made a commitment that we're going to pray for our MPs. And we've let them know. We've written to them on occasions. We've not just written to them when we've been uh, angry with something or we've got a problem with something, but we've written to let them know that we're praying for them. The local councils um, and, and, and uh, di- different people taking place. School starting back at, at, uh, at uh, new term this week. Uh, people in our uh, church community that are involved in education. We're praying for leaders in schools. We understand the incredibly complex task that they have in these days. We pray for our police force. We pray for our, our emergency services. We pray for those that seek to serve in a civic role in the church. Do we agree with everything that takes place? Clearly not. Do we wish sometimes we'd sort some things out quicker? Of course. 
But the principle honor that God can find a, a, a group of believers, they're not going to forever bad mouth people that are seeking to serve civic society, but it's going to get a people that pray. The Bible tells us in Romans that those people are placed there by God. And when Jesus was asked one or two tricky questions regarding what to give to him and what to give to civic society, read Matthew 17 and Matthew 22, and you'll find he came up with some very, very credible answers. Pay to Jesus what is Caesar, and give to me what is mine. As I've already said, we've been very intentional as a local church. We want to do it again this week, and we'll continue to do so to run with an aspect of honour for those that seek to serve. It's quite amazing at times when you seek to communicate with people and just alter your language. Sometimes you've got a point to make, but you've made it by prefacing it by we appreciate what they do. It's remarkable the impact it has upon them because so often there are people coming to them that are angry, that are annoyed, that are irritated, that are aggressive. That's not honouring. But God help us to do that to people that seek to serve in civic lives. But fifthly, we to bring honour to the ministry of the word. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 18, Paul writing to Timothy, inspired word of God, says that those that's work is preaching and teaching are worthy of double honour. I know you sound what you would say. I know. And commentators believe there's a renewative application to that scripture. One or two Timothy, towards the end of the New Testament, Paul, a son in, a father in the faith, writing to Timothy, a son in the faith. We need more of that. Father-son relationships. We were sowing into the sons of the faith. Timothy, who was around about 30 years of age, reading the great church of Ephesus, and often timidity within him. So Paul writes to him and says, you know, God's giving you a, 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 a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And he seems always quite frail, physically as well. There were lots of issues going up in this young guy. But Paul encourages him. But one of, you cannot read one or two Timothy without being impressed by Paul's encouragement for Timothy to give himself to the word of God, to prepare well, be a, a workman that needs not be ashamed. The word there is labourer. I was a labourer once between my two years at Bible college. It's hard work. Hard work giving yourself to the word of God. Preaching the word, presenting the word, declaring the word. You can't get away from it. There are numerous references all over those ten chapters of one and two Timothy. And I believe, friends, today that the church of Jesus Christ needs to carry a fresh value for the word of God. I have to say it worries me when I hear church leaders say, oh, we don't need preaching anymore. Nobody's bothered, nobody's interested. It's all boring. You're never going to build a church if you're going to have preaching. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God's sort of taken that back. We don't want boring preaching. We don't want irrelevant preaching. We don't want the preaching that people haven't waited upon. We don't want a word that's not burning in people's hearts. We do want fresh bread. I mean, imagine making your sandwiches for work tomorrow and your wife gives you a love and says, it's only five weeks old, you'll be all right. You know, you want fresh breads. And the passion of this house is that we'll have fresh bread. Stephen's coming and he's going to, uh, bring a value to that journey. He's a man that loves the word of God. Amen. Stephen, God's going to bless you if you just open up your heart and declare the word and become his mouthpiece. 
in this context in Jesus' name. And in all of that, God says that one of the ways that we honor the word of God is to appropriately bless those that are delivering the word of God. The church at times has divorced itself from that. They wanted the word of God and thought they could say anything they like about the preaching of word. They're married together. Now we understand the journey of bivocationalism and in our joint celebration service in Ilkeston last week, Christian shared a little bit of his own journey of both being a church leader and of working in the marketplace. And for 14, 15 years I did exactly the same. You know, the story is I never got the invite to First Assembly of God Dallas. You know, um, you know, I got sent to Jacksdale, a little three and a half thousand village. I went around there in nineteen ninety-one. There were 296 pounds in the first month's offering, not week. There no music, so Sheriff played the piano. There were 18 people, and away we went for the next 16 years. And for 14 years of that, I, I led the church and did a job. So I understand all that. Paul was a tent maker. He, he, he went sometimes to plant somewhere he's going after to earn living there before we get the church up and running. I understand all of those things. But the reality is at times also that people feel called, separated, consecrated to be people that wait and declare the word of God. And in all that I've said there, Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 9, that those that preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. That's why we need to bring the tithe to the storehouse out of by three. I can't find a Bible commentator anywhere that doesn't believe that the storehouse is an expression of the local group of believers, the local church where we bring the first of our substance to honour God and to honour his word and to honour the people that declare his word. So, I wish all of us, but five deep principles that address again our hard attitudes regarding honour. Over the next three to four weeks, we'll be different things that spill out. And because we're in a, a church that likes to challenge people with the Word of God, it may be that there are some adjustments that we need to make in all of that. It may be that you see something that you've never seen before. It may be that you need to pull back from something or say sorry about something. It's all about God shaping us and making us more of what He wants us to be. But as we see in 1 Samuel 2, we ignore the principle of honour or excuse it away from our lives and our power. I believe that honour opens up something in the heavens that attracts the favour of God over communities that truly understand this great principle. Honour, friends, needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be something that just flows out of us naturally to the Lord, in our individual lives, in our home and family, expressing our citizenship within our church community to one another, to our leaders as they declare the word of God. It carries a heart that values those things in our life that really matter. And the things that really matter are the things that are eternal and not temporal. And it inevitably brings an outflow of blessing in return. Those that honour me, 